This podcast is brought to you by GNA Giveaways. Find them off Facebook. Get in and win. <laughs> I love a fucking shit shirt or a shit jacket. I'll be moving for Welcome, one and all. You are listening to the best and Belfast podcast. And we're me, Erdo. Me, Derek. What is happening, G? Not a lot, man. It was a good episode last week, so it's not to be good to kick off now. Yeah. Um, we'll put on the, the last week's episode who it was, but we'll get to the introduction in a minute. Um, I'll actually tell you how I bumped into him and got him on the podcast. Started about a year ago. I was I was on a Huawei night out, me and the biker, and it was AM PM. I was standing at the door and I went, You know that ugly bastard's face from somewhere? What the fuck is it? Said to the other doorman, Is that such a message? Introduce myself because I knew him. Yeah, he got him. So, lovely fella chatting away. He said to him about the podcast. He said, Yes, no bother. I go on any day. I thought to myself, I've had a few pains here. He's probably just said that to get me to leave him alone on the door. Everybody's probably talking shit to him. So, got a wee fool on all me in the big I told Sinead about him. And then, I think it was September time. I fired him a wee message. He put up something about personal training. I put it up and he's like, thanks, bro, and all. And he's telling me how pregnant it was and all that lark. I was like, stop it, man, you know. But then a message where the Conor McGregor fight coming up, I thought, why not get one of Ireland's biggest MMA stars on the show? So he currently has a record of 11 wins, five knockouts, or sorry, five losses. Currently ranked 29th in the UK and Ireland fighters on topology.com. He's fought for some top class promotions. Bama, Cage Warriors, Clan Wars, anybody who knows MMA, they're like the stepping stones to get the, the top three promotions. He has won a featherweight, Akima, Irish champion, Clan Wars, Irish champion, Cage Conflict, Irish champion, and like any Irish man, he's an Andro boxing champion, an Arthur boxing champion, an All Ireland second finalist, and a man that is so fierce and is rumored that Jimmy Gallagher, James the Scrab Animal, is not allowed to fight Daggy the Damon Dalton. Daggy, welcome to the podcast, man. Thank you very much. That was a lengthy introduction. Thank you very much, mate. Talking with it, just doing it. That's a tip so far. But no, see that night at a. Hi, are you? I remember. Do you remember that? I remember you and your girlfriend. I said, obviously, you remember me. But. That's Jimmy, because she knows who James Gallagher says. Me and her would get up and watch it. So she, all the main event ones she would know that said to her about that Jimmy Gallagher coming to me. I've heard partly he's not allowed to fight Jimmy Gallagher in case he, he shows him up. And then all the money Bellator have put in is fucking gone against this guy who is relatively unknown on the main stage. 
But whether or not it's true, I don't know. But I'm it's rumored, it's it's rumored, rumored that, that's, that that is the case, but, you know, some things... Some things go unsaid in the MMA world, and in, in some in some places, so you just have to kind of take it, take it uh, on, the it the on the chin. That's it. Uh, I mean, it just goes to show you though that there's there's tough there's tough fighters out there that that aren't getting the breaks and aren't getting the you know the exposure, um, and don't have just you know the right back and behind them to push them to push them onto a platform like that where you know other fighters that are less talented but have the backing you know can get there you, it's a funny game think, it's, it's a strange it's a strange um, do you strange think part, part of it comes down to the fact of how you promote yourself because there is some people who don't like the self-promote they don't he, like the perfect example is George St. Pierre or Khabib, right? Yeah. They don't talk shit, but yeah. they prefer to fight, whereas you have the likes of the Jimmy Gallagher's, the Connors, you know, yeah. people like that. Yeah. Call yeah. your man, man, call Mad Mike Perry. Yeah. You know, kick on windows in for no reason. But, <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of it as well, a lot of it comes down to the business side of things, the entertainment side of things, and People do pay for entertainment. Um, that's why people go and watch uh, wrestling, you know, the WWF. Um, it's not real, but there's a lot of money in it. But we're, I, I'm 32 and I went to a show at the start of last year with a handmade saying, calling wrestlers a pack of bitches. <laughs> I've never been. I want to go now. <laughs> There's, uh, there's a couple of good local promotions, but they're all fucking on high yet, is it, the minute? Yeah, I'd say so. Who they are. Right, George, you want to get kicked off with what the hot plan with Eddie here? Well, find out who he is, where he's from, why people are afraid to pay. In, in the spotlight. Uh, fair enough. So, I mean, the first thing is really, give us a background on how you got into MMA. Like, what, was your, what led you to be from here? And starting MMA of all things, you know, boxing. I see it was early in your career, so. I uh, well, actually, at the at the start, at the start, at the start, <laughs> I, I I actually was a gale. I was a hurler and a footballer, and played you know county and stuff like that there. What club? And then I played for St Gauls, and yeah. I played county up the minor hurling. So I didn't play county football, but I was always getting myself into into a couple of scuffles on the pitch and stuff like that. There was always in my, in my demeanor or something, you know. So, but anyway, I can remember one one winter, the back or the side the the Gaelic club brought us up to the boxing club to keep us fit, you know, when while it was shady weather. So we went up there and I was punching away on the on the mitts and the fellow was taking me. He was like, Jesus, you can you have a pack of wee punching all there and stuff like that. So I kinda stuck at it that way. But can how I fell into the MMA side of things is um remember that Forrest Griffin 
and Stephen Bonner fighting the US the ultimate fighter. The ultimate fighter yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Me and yeah, my brother watched that. Fight. Remember that fight? Yeah, yeah. That was kind of the thing that I was like, what? I'd have a go at that. So me and my brother, me and my brother actually started going to a club out in Lisburn called Chumsut, which had yeah. it had the likes of um Chris Stringer and Ali McLean, they both fought, you know, high up the ranks. Um, who else? There's a, there's a couple of good lads that kind of stay in from that club anyway. So my, my brother fought for the, from, from that club and stuff, and he actually had a bad knee injury. But like myself, I had a bad knee injury. So that kind of halted his career. And I stopped training there to start boxing and that's when I started boxing so I was boxing for St Agnes's and I won a couple of Anthem titles and a couple of Ulster titles and stuff and then went down and did the All-Irelands didn't do too well um, and had a couple of fights after that boxing and then decided that I would start I think it was about 16 or 17 I decided that I would start training the MMA, so we went down to... Um, what year was again. that? That was called Progressive Combat then. Um, what year? I don't know if you remember it. It's actually it had the pepper on the logo. It was from a, a, a fell up in uh, Sheen's Castle, ran a club, and then the first, the first guy I trained MMA with was a guy called Paul Murray who was one of the first guys to start coaching people in, in, in MMA. And we used to just go into the Falls Leisure Centre and lay a couple of mats down in a room that we'd rented um, and beat the fuck, beat the alongside of each other. Um, so that's how the MMA career started. I had my first fight in the Ramble Inn and I lost it, my first amateur fight. And because I lost it, it kind of made me, kind of sparked the interest to get really good at it. Because I done well in the fight, I lost by decision, but I could have won it. So it was like, I'm a, I, you know, I could, I could um, be good but at this. Make something out of it. Yeah, it's funny how the losses motivate you more than the ones do. Sometimes. Yeah, no. Um. Yeah. You, so were fighting, you were fighting at a fight academy Ireland. What are you? Yeah. Were you still fighting with them, or are you going? No, I've decided the 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 part ways with fight academy, and I'm probably gonna just do a make parry and get my girlfriend to corner me and my next fight. But the only thing is, I don't have a girlfriend, so. <laughs> <laughs> you want me to stick on the for you? I'm uh, free on the third of April. I could be if you need me to be. <laughs> I double up as a ring card guy. Alright, no, I'm a bit um, of a free agent. I'm a bit of a free so, agent at the minute, so. So at the minute you're flying nomad then. Um, that you say people out there that you're ready to be saying, is that what you're saying? I'm re- I'm ready to be saying, yep. Ready to be scooped up. What weight class are you in? You still fit featherweight or are you like with I'm I'm featherweight. I fought I fought at lightweight, but I'm too small at lightweight. And to be honest, I'm a bit small for a featherweight. You could tell even in the 
the videos of me fighting with featherweights are always a lot bigger than me. So it just, uh, I'm stuck in between weights. A, a 64 would probably suit me better, you know, featherweight yeah. 66 and bottomweight 61. It's too big of a gap, but yeah, you know, I couldn't get the 61. So I'm kind of stuck in between weights. So, but I don't, think, I don't think I don't think I'll fight at a weight over featherweight. For the you fought Peter Quinney, didn't you? Yes, I fought Peter as well. Jared at... doesn't really know him very well. And Peter Quinney fights for Bellator. And he's one of these I... guys that's on the rise at the minute. I would say if it hadn't been for the past year, you would be seeing him a lot more. Hmm. He done well in his last fight there. He, he stopped a, a, a good guy. Scope. Yeah. I'm like a he, fan. I like I literally know about ten UFC fighters and whatever Uncle Kelvin. Yeah. You know, he told me about you. Well know, here, see it nowadays I only know about ten and there's that many UFC fighters nowadays, you don't know. <laughs> you just pick your top a, five or ten, you're right. And then you're like, I know him, him, him. Is it a bit like PT's on Facebook? You just change your name on Facebook and all of a sudden you're an MMA fighter. Yeah, that's exactly it. <laughs> You just need a Twitter account. Although, get yourself a good Twitter account and get a, a picture of you hitting a bag. This episode, we'll call it Becky the Diamond Dalton PT. Yeah, so I yeah. took over the podcast. <laughs> it's, not, it's, not <laughs> my, it's not my podcast. <laughs> you... Well, what was I going to go on with there? Um, what were we talking about before, Peter Quilly? Your weights? My weights. Um, we'll get that in a minute because there's somebody that actually sent in a really good question, a fun question, but I'll get that near the end. Looking at your record, um, you've quite a few submissions. Mm. Do you have a favourite way to end a fight, or like you prefer it? I've ended a lot of fights from cuts. Or I've at least cut a lot of people with the elbows and the knees. They seem to work really well for me. And, uh, in your last like, yeah. five fights, like four of them, you won by submission? Yeah, I went on a wee roll of like submissions there. Don't know why that. I was just training well. And to be honest, the, le- the level of opponent, you know, we'll pick the, we were picking the right fights. So they were... There was openings there for me to take, you know, against them guys. And, mo- and most of them were on the ground. So. Tell me this, right? I've been called an armchair expert by, what do you call him? Big Sexy Kale. <laughs> McClurgan. McClurgan. I was called a, a, a Facebook, or uh, no, an armchair expert. By him, yeah. was it a common for Khabib? Do you think, like, this is just in my opinion from watching MMA, do you think a lot of guys roll over and give up their back knowing that they're going to get choked, like rear naked choke and tap just because they're so tired? Or do you think it's a, a skill from the person? Because to me, it actually, with a lot of them, it looks like they go, I just don't have anything there. I just don't have anything to do here or anywhere to go. And the, the easiest way out is to be just take the choke. But yeah, I, well, I'm saying like 
I I actually have I've get taken my back a lot in a lot of fights. My back used to get taken a lot. It was kind of one of them points where I was a wee bit obviously I would admit my weaknesses and stuff. But I would never have let someone just choke me out. Um, even if they had the, had I had the choke on, or maybe held off, you know, because I'd have a lot of stamina, I would have a lot of endurance and stuff. But I can get where you're coming from, where people do just go, you know what, this is the yeah. this is the easiest way out. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna give this choke up, and then and it can be part of the game plan, like you said. You, the, there's people who look at the, the Diaz brothers, their cardio. They kick people into deep waters they're and then just wait for the moment. And then exactly. And, and usually, you, you, yeah, exactly. When someone's fatigued, they're more likely to just give you something just because... Have you uh, the, the feeling of being in a fight is pure fatigue. It's draining, you know. You can yeah. tell if you're, not, if you're not prepared properly. Um, if you... Say that um, this meeting has a wee time limit just come up on my head. Um if you're obviously if you're not physically prepared to go to, to fight, um, you know, at that pace or something, you're gonna get fatigued and it's you're you're you are gonna be more more susceptible to let someone take a position that's gonna be unfavorable to you. Because you're not able you're not actually able to physically make the make the move. Yeah, yeah, your muscles are your muscles are drained. You're you're done. So, yeah. what do you think the big difference is? Because I see like a lot of top athletes, right? And you'll hear about them tr- going through sparring partners. So you know they'll do like say they'll do five or six rounds, or they might do ten rounds, and they'll alternate a fresh opponent each time. Yeah, yeah. right. But then they come to a 15-minute fight or a 25-minute fight, and you can see by the 15-minute mark they're exhausted. Is the stress causing the fatigue? Well, the thing about it is you you can't pour from an empty cup. So these guys have literally emptied everything that they have in the gym just trying to fade off fresh sparring partners every time training till nine o'clock at night and then getting told if they're not at the at the morning training session that they're not good enough for whatever it is you know they're drain they're they're pouring for them from their cup for eight weeks without ever letting it fill back up and then when it gets to the fight it shows you know that they don't actually have anything else more to give um so it's actually probably better to do too little than to do too much. Um, train smarter, not harder. Smarter than harder, yeah. Because if you, if you train too little, you at least have some more to give. Yeah. If you train too much, you've already used up everything that you have in the training camp. Your body's taken a, an absolute beating, you know, for, for eight weeks. Um, and you only really rest up the last week of a fight of a fight camp, so it's just not enough time to replenish everything, as well as the weight cut as well. The weight cuts are weight cuts are really dangerous. Yeah, weight cuts weight cuts are really weight cuts are really dangerous. They are really dangerous. Aren't they? He just wants in. Weight cuts are weight cuts are the worst thing that ever kind of happened to 
uh, MMA or kind of combat sports. I know everyone has to kind of keep it on a level playing field, but the wrestlers took it to an extreme where they're cutting like set six and seven kilo, you know, before yeah. the fight to come in and, and put it back on again. I think that's where it kind of came into the MMA game where, you know, wrestlers were dominating and they were coming in a lot bigger. And so people started cutting more weight. But it's very dangerous. So do you think they should do, like, the hydration test, like they do over in Asia, instead one. of... I'd love yeah, to say on one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would, so well, if they can do it, why can't the other ones do it? Yeah. And when you consider the amount of money that they put into, like, USADA and stuff, you know, yeah. to implement the weight, the hydration thing, surely couldn't be that much more expensive. No, no, definitely not. Sure, I don't know. You could just imagine. Um, but no, the one one seemed to be doing it really well. Yeah, apparently they're getting more views and stuff than the USC. You know when they're having when they're when they're having their shows and yeah. the fight. Have you seen the fights on it? I've only seen like clips because my brother had the just... fight pass, but I don't have it anymore. Ah, uh, the fights on what they're they're sick. I'd actually love to have one of the Muay Thai fights with the MMA gloves on. That would be sick. That would be good. But um, no, the hydration test, I definitely think are a good, are a good call, especially an amateur. Yeah. Especially an amateur, because a lot of them guys still don't know really what they're doing, you know, and they're, and they're doing these big weight cuts because they're seeing everyone else in the gym doing the weight yeah. cuts. It's not good long term, like you can't be can't be yo 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 dad like that as well. Yeah. I take it if you're saying you're a bit big for your weight classes, I take it you don't cut much weight, do you? Or if, no. if you're a small for your weight class, sorry. I a small for yeah, yeah. I don't usually when I cut the sixty six kilo, you're only talking four kilo max I would cut. What's that about nine, ten pounds? Nine ten pound, yeah. Well, they say anything over eleven percent of your body weight, yeah, yeah. Is, is that That's damaging. If you cut any more than about eleven percent of, you know, you're you're you go into bad territory, you no know, dehydration territory. So yeah, um, it's not, uh, I, and it's not worth putting your body, your kidneys, and your liver, and all sort, you know. Start having a bad time. I wouldn't put my body through anything like that just to just to gain an extra couple of kilo on anyone. You know, there's people that would do it. People would do anything to gain an advantage on someone else. You know, mind yeah. games and weight cuts. Uh, sub, uh, you know, PEDs and stuff. Some boys take their PEDs just just so that they don't. I don't know, have have a disadvantage in some way or another. So, speaking of like other people and taking advantages and stuff, whenever you're <laughs> whenever you're training for like a fight, are you training for the opponent? Are you training for is it like each individual or is it like specific styles or? The thing that I found out from training for different people for fights was that. You're never actually guaranteed to fight the opponent that you're you're matched up with from the beginning. So 
I've had fight camps where I've gone through six, seven different opponents in the one fight camp, and every one of them's different. So you're training for an all, a whole, you know, it's just very hard to get all the training in, to be honest, you know. You're training for all outcomes, but at the same time, every fighter's different. But you can get a change of opponent on the week of the fight, and you still have to fight. Um, and they're coming in. I, I had a change of opponent uh, at a fight in Drahada, uh, in Dublin or Drahada, and the guy, it was a week before the fight, so they couldn't get anyone. So I fought a guy from Brazil who was up a weight class, and we didn't know anything about him, but he was actually really good. Um, so it kind of, I was prepared for one one opponent and at the last minute it completely changed. So you have to be nearly ready for every, every outcome of events that's going to happen. That's Do you have a particular style of fight that you like? Um, I like watching, like the watch. Did, the watch. Did the actual fight? Like a, a oh, is there a way that I would like to fight to fight people? Yeah. Do you have like a favorite? Is it standing ground? Yeah, I like I like I like striking with people, and then and I like taking them taking the fight into deep waters and stuff like that there, and fighting inside. And, you know, I like I like fighting and not getting hit as well. I like you know. Just... <laughs> That's one of the questions coming up. Um, <laughs> do you have any role models? In combat sports, ah, uh, definitely. Like, obviously, growing growing up, I was a re- really my whole family were all boxing fans and stuff. I used to love watching Mike Tyson fight, and then just um just watch a couple of really fight. good. What? Yeah, I did watch the last fight. I didn't watch it on the night because it was it was up it was an early one, but uh, I watched it after. I was impressed. With the both of them, like to be honest, for their age. That was um, all PEDs. What's that? That was all PEDs. Yeah, it was just. I think it was. It was just you. You just go easy, and you just go easy, and we'll just make us. And then Tyson started trying to lay into him. Don't, don't think Jones wanted to engage him back. Ah. Uh, don't know. It was a funny. It was a funny outfit because it was an exhibition and it wasn't a fight, and it was, they were both trying to, you know, stay level headed. I suppose. Well, it was good to see. It was good to see Mike Tyson's transformations as well. From yeah. you know when he when he had loads of weight on, and then from when he started training again, and then he was on the he was on the Joe Rogan podcast. Did you any you watch it? Listen to there's a couple. I said that that loud. I heard that on your computer. <laughs> um, I listen to. I uh, he um he says about how kind of that fate happened, and it was about he was just out of shape, and that his, his his wife said something about doing a couple of minutes on the treadmill, you know, every night. And yeah. he said it started as twenty minute, be twenty minute run, it turned into. 
he ended up taking a fight with Roy Jones. It's just he, he got a he got a a taste for it. Taste for it again. Well, I think so what he, he said was it ignited his ego, and then he he kind of. It snowball affected, and then yeah. he just kept training and then kept training, and then the videos of him came out, and everyone was like, "Oh, you should fight again. You're looking good." And then next minute, he said he was fighting Roy Jones. <laughs> Isn't it mad to think that he put up like see the, the clip you were talking about there? There was like a 15 second clip uh, of him uh, hitting what say 10, 12 yeah, punches, uh, and uh, apparently he was fucking. Fit the beat the world. <laughs> uh-huh. He said, uh, I know. Um, Hope I look out good at 50. Well, did you ever listen to him on his own thing, the hotbox? Uh, I watched yeah. a couple of them. The one with the get with the mob guy. No, the mob guy. Uh the the uh Sicilian? The Sicilian, yeah. I watched that one. And I watched them with another couple of different wee clips. Yeah. Um, there's some good. He's had some good people. Because yeah. I'd seen the week clip now, it was ages ago. It must have been about a year and a half ago, if not more. He was talking about, he says he's a, he was afraid to fight again and even to train because um, whenever he does it, he just becomes a different person. He was talking about studying the art of war and these Chinese warlords and all. You can see the intensity in his face. And this was, no, like he's emotional, but he. That's, yeah. That could be a Pandora's box. Like it's there's there's a it reason does, to call it an, an for Roy Chung's safety. <laughs> exactly. Well, that's that's the thing about it. You do have to become a, a different person, an alter ego kind of thing. It it does yeah. take you to that because you you have to like savagery wins wars. Yeah. And you know. It's not natural to be a savage every day of your life, you know, and just be savage. And so what I thought to learn how to turn that on and off. It is hard to learn that. What we said, Jared? I was saying, what actually makes him want to hurt somebody or even potentially get hurt himself? Well, it's on that. It's on natural. That's what Meg Tyson said. It's on that. He says it's like there, there's. Uh, he was talking on the Joe Rogan podcast and Joe Rogan was talking about fighting. I think he'd done the Taekwondo or whatever it was. So Mike Tyson was like, do you know there's something wrong with us? <laughs> he was like, do you know there's, there's obviously something psychologically wrong with people that, that, that do this? It was funny, but <laughs> I could relate a wee bit. Yeah. But no, you do have to like, you know, turn it on and turn it off. You're not... You're not the same person you are under the lights that you are when you're kicking it in the house and with your PJs on. Do you know what I mean? It's a bit you like being be. a drag queen, isn't it? A wee bit like you, could, you can't just. You have to let that you say to you stay, stay on the stage. Yeah, and then, you know when you're with your family or when you're with people that you you know you're 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 friends with and stuff, you'll probably find that ninety percent of fighters are completely different people around cameras than what they are. Yeah. 
You say anything, it's like when someone pointing a camera at you, you're like, oh my, there's a camera. Fuck, do yeah. something. <laughs> do something stupid. Do yeah. something with your hands or something, you know. On the but, last podcast, we're actually talking about how McGregor's felt susceptible to that, where when people are antagonizing him, he's a completely different animal than where he is on Instagram with his family, you know. Exactly, exactly. With the cameras, the cameras are on, it's... I think with McGregor as well is that a lot of that's business orientated, you know, like, you know, what's going to get the people talking, what's yeah. going to get them, what's going to get them on his, you know, on his Instagram page, on his Twitter page, buying his whiskey, but, you know. Do you know what I think part of the- A lot of it's controversial, a lot of it's controversial, you know, so controversy gets attention, but nowadays. Yeah, controversy creates cash. Um you know, what I think happened to him? Just I think five minutes. Five minutes. What is it? Remember that for five minutes time we're asking questions. Oh, mm-hmm. um, do you know what I think happened, Connor? I think he was living the gimmick and he was doing so well at it. I think he forgot when to turn it off or how to turn it off. I think he sort of started believing the gimmick a bit too much rather than... Yeah, you know, but like I said on the last podcast, if we all have that type of money and that type of fame and notoriety, we're all doing yeah, some, the same type of thing. Some, sometimes, you know, you just have to catch yourself in the act sometimes and reel yourself back in, but I'm sure he has people there telling them, telling them that as well, or, you know. Yeah. Again, he's just some, he, he, when, when it comes down to it, like, He's just a fellow from Dublin. Like any of us? Like, like any of us, you know. Um, we all have our own antics. We all get up to a wee bit of mischief. But you have the, he's getting followed by cameras all the time. Yeah. His mischief's... Magnified and blown up. Because it's seen. Do you know... Thank fuck nobody follows me with cameras. <laughs> <laughs> well, we heard a, a, a rumor about something bad that you've done that's in the questions, but we'll get to that later anyway. Um, I know what you're talking about. Do you have any role models within combat sports? What's that? Do you have any role models who you, you want to aspire to be like? Or? That's what they started off, and we ended up talking whole load of jibba-jabba there. That was the initial question about the role models, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, we started off with Mike Tyson, and then... Anybody else? I like the I like any, anyone that was really good, really good. Like, you know, my dad used to love boxing. He still does. But he used to, you know, watch older fights than I would have watched. And some of the older fights, I used to think were better than some of the modern day fights, you know, I always wa- like watching Marvin Hagler. I always like watching Chavez Senior. He was good to watch. I love watching him in boxing ways, and I love watching uh, love watching Sanchez, obviously from the Muay Thai. I was hoping you would mention him. That's what I was trying to get out there. That's what he's talking about. Yeah, no, I love watching him because you just you just be you just be mesmerized, don't you? 
the at the the variety. Yeah, and high quality as transitions. And he's forty. I know. See, he's like a like a like a fan way. He really but, is. Um, no, he's very, he's very, very, he's entertaining as well. He's a good showman. He's good to watch. Uh, yeah, something in this. Something in that. Something in that. Lucas, I haven't stopped drinking it since I took the sugar out of it. Uh, do you know what? Because this is audio, but people can't see it. He just opened the wee tin of Lucas. Yeah, see the M tins? Do you have the sixty-five P ones? Or the, oh. the three thirty mil ones. I love drinking out of them. I know the great. You buy a big bottle, but see we ten. Do we are? I go to Gary. It stays fresh. See when you get a bottle. See after when you get halfway down, it goes flat. Something about it. Right, my wee man wants him. And who who is it? What do you call him? That's wee Lou. <laughs> He's one of her many. <laughs> Uh, the dog whisper. The dog. I don't whisper. I shout. There's the other one over there in the corner, in his bed. And then I had to put the other one out because riding everything. He was he was riding the wee one there. So he was. <laughs> but they're being walked and they're fed, so there's nothing to complain about today. Anyway. Right. So, whenever you get a fight, Daddy, roughly how long yeah. does a camp last? Um, so, I, f- I fell out of, fell, I used to like doing a, a good training camp, you know, but I, I kind of, I kind of stopped doing training camps, like long ones. Do you know, twelve week, ten week, eight week training camps. Um, I I always just kept myself reasonably healthy and fit. Um, I'm not. I, I don't overeat as much as well. Sometimes when I was younger, when I was training, fighting and stuff, I would have. Uh, you know, you diet down to sixty six kilo, and then you have your fight. And then you get everything that you ever wanted, you know, ice, ice cream, chocolate, and whatever it is, and you used to blow back up. So you actually used to need an eight-week training camp to get yourself back down in and around the, you know, the weight limit. But I'm actually, I'm a vegetarian so from, from about four years. Um, I haven't really had any meat. Uh, don't eat eggs. Um, I eat some dairy products, but my weight has has kind of leveled itself out. Whereas I don't blow up and down. Like when I when I used to do that, I'm talking it was like eighteen. Um, after fights, eighteen, nineteen, twenty. After fights, you know, you went out and you had yourself a good time, and then you went back to training. You were Twelve kilo heavier than what you weighed in, you know, two weeks before. You were like, "What the fuck just happened there?" You know, and then you have that. You have that exactly, and but that's bad. That's bad for the body. The body yeah. doesn't doesn't uh, it doesn't thank you for anything like that. You know, yeah. such fluctuations. It 
it's always better just to kind of keep it nice and maintain. maintain yeah maintain stay in shape so you don't have to get in shape that's exactly it that's exactly it so it would usually kind of stay in shape and then if you get a phone call for a fight in four weeks you just have to step it up for another three weeks you know good solid training and it decreases the risk of injury as well because what used to happen is if you train for eight weeks and you're constantly losing weight and you're depleting your body you're 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 more susceptible to injuries and to be sick get sick because your 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 body's going through drastic changes too fast and it just shocks it really and then it doesn't the stress really, almost your immune system down? It would, oh, definitely. Definitely has an effect on it. And a weak immune system, I mean, a weak immune system. But they say even that if you're, if you're training, if you go to training, especially in the winter, um, try to avoid public transport after training uh, because your immune system is at, at, at its lowest. Ha 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 ha!